You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again at OptionAlpha.com working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast to offer online because it's based on one thing and one thing only and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, I want to talk about something that has been near and dear to my heart for a while because I try to convince a lot of people to get into options trading and obviously it's a struggle for sure because options trading has a really bad connotation in the market. But today I want to talk specifically to people who are or used to be fundamental investors. So people that look at company cash flow and PE ratios and things like that and all the fundamentals that go around it because the reality is is I think there's a lot of similarities between a fundamental investor and a serious professional options trader. And I believe that more people who are fundamental investors should be trading options if they really took a hard look at some of the things that we're going to talk about here in today's podcast. So I encourage you, if you are a fundamental investor, obviously keep listening. If you're listening to this and you already trade options, you're already part of our community here at Option Alpha, please send this particular podcast out to one person that you know or two people if you want to be really good and you know be helpful in growing our community. But send this out to at least one person you know that's a fundamental investor that maybe we could convince to get over to our side and become an options trader because I think there's a lot of similarities to this. Plus, at the end of the episode, we're going to talk talk about the Netflix effect and what that has to do with how I believe fundamental investing has definitely changed right now and is definitely going to change even more so in the future. So let's get right into it here. I don't really have too much that I want to go over in today's show, but I think there's some key points that I really, really want to make, so I'm going to start getting through those now. Now, the first thing is that when you think about like a fundamental investor, it sounds really, really important. I mean, like, you know, people who are fundamental investors really take a lot of ownership in the fact that they look at company financials and cash flows. And the reality is, is that it doesn't matter what you do looking at all of this big analysis on company financials. Things can change in the future. And projections are just that. They're projections. Now, listen, I was in the research analyst space. I was a research analyst covering companies, writing reports on projections of where these REITs used to go and how much they would grow by and how much their you know expenses would grow by. But honestly, it's just projections. And when you actually talk to the CFO and the COO and the CEO and you ask them, you know, how much do you think you know your expenses are going to grow by? How much do you think your income is going to grow by? They really don't even know it that much either, right? And I'm dealing with REITs that have pretty much fixed costs, fixed expenses, and they still didn't know, well, maybe like 3% or maybe 4%. And then you project that out over time, it still can make a big difference. Now, supposedly most fundamental investors are big on this type of analysis, really running the numbers, digging in, you know, basically taking their claws and really, you know, diving into the numbers and crunching numbers backwards, inside, left, out, everything, Right and understanding how the numbers work on a company before they make an investment in the company. Now, I would just ask that if you are a fundamental investor, if you're listening to the show, why don't you put as much effort into fundamental analysis as you do in options trading? What I try to teach people at Option Alpha and definitely with this podcast is that the numbers are so conclusive that if you want to generate income, not get rich quick, I'm talking about income, trading options, you've got to be an option seller because that's where the numbers are. So if you're a fundamental investor and you do a lot of work digging into company analytics, 
why not spend some of that time digging into the options analytics and options analysis and numbers to understand how that works because the reality is is that is much more probable and concrete than something that some company might project or some company might think their growth rate's going to be in the future. So I think it's odd that you get that dichotomy that fundamental investors are all about the numbers, but when it comes to options, they're just not. They don't dig into the numbers enough. Fundamental investors are also about long-term investing, and they're always about consistency and small investments that compound. That's one of like one of the biggest, you know, kind of pillars of fundamental investing is long-term growth, long-term consistency, multiple small investments that compound over time. Newsflash, that's exactly what we're teaching here at Option Alpha, right? That's what I try to tell people is that it's a long-term game. It is not a overnight or the next month or the next six months game. It's a long-term game. And it's about making small trades, small investments all along the way so that you have that compounding effect in the future. Because what I don't like people seeing and what is always a stigma in the options trading space is this idea that you can come in, buy a lot of call options or you know put options and make four or 500% return on those options and then just do that repeatedly over time. That's just not the reality. That may be for some people for a short amount of time, but you can't replicate that in a systematic fashion. And so again, if you're a fundamental investor, you have this long-term outlook already, why not apply that long-term outlook to options trading? Because it's the same thing just applied in a different avenue. You know, Investopedia, when I looked up long-term investing, I said, or fundamental investing, I, you know, was doing a little bit of research on seeing like what people are saying about it. And Investopedia has a huge article on fundamental investing. And they said this, they said, quote, it's generally believed that short-term investors follow technicals while long-term investors are willing to stand withstand the day-to-day blips and follow the fundamentals. You could have basically said that about options trading. Like, I don't even have words. Like, you could replace that and say, it's believed that short-term day traders follow technicals while long-term options traders are willing to withstand the day-to-day blips and follow the fundamentals of the options trading system. It could be pretty much the exact same thing because the reality is, and we just talked about this not even a couple episodes ago where we talked about, you know, the reality of having drawdowns in show number 75 and how even when you go through drawdowns that you still end up profitable and having a high win rate, etc. But I don't understand why fundamental investors are willing to withstand a 50% haircut in some cases, which we've had in the last 10, 15 years in most stocks, a 50% haircut at some point. They're willing to withstand that for the sake of their long-term being correct, but they're not willing to get into options trading and learn how to make these small incremental adjustments in trades to withstand maybe a 20% decline with much, much more upside potential. And so again, I think there's a lot of similarities if you start really digging into it. Another pillar for most long-term fundamental investors is diversification and this concept of investing with a margin of safety. Now, whatever you define a margin of safety as, most people in the long-term investing space or fundamental investing space really think their margin of safety is knowing what the company is going to do, knowing the financials of the company. And really, let's be honest, the only thing that you do or the only reason that you know the financials is so you feel better about yourself when the trade goes completely against you, right? That's all it is. Because when you actually have a stock that goes completely against you, 
and the fundamentals are thrown out the window because there's no fundamental reason why the company is going lower, right? That's still a good company in a good space and whatever, then you like rely on your analysis of the cash flow to keep you in the position, even if it's a really bad trade, even if it's a really bad company that is going to be bankrupt or going to go off the face of the earth or whatever the case is, you stay in the trade because you think you have some confidence in the cash flow and the numbers. And look, I'm not saying that you can't make a long-term investment in a company. You can't believe in a company, but please, for the sake of your financial future, those days are pretty much disappearing. You cannot start making these long-term investments in many companies and really have a lot of control over your risk long-term. You have to make incremental adjustments along the way. Now, I believe in diversification when it comes to positions as well. So I don't disagree in that. And that's, again, another similarity between fundamental investors and options traders is that most options traders are not one-trick ponies, meaning we're not going to make one big, huge monster bet every month or once a year, whatever the case is. We're going to make small incremental bets all over the place so that generally diversification works in our favor. Now, of course, in options, it's much more applicable than it is to long-term investing because we can trade not only directionally higher, but also directionally lower in the market. We can also trade volatility higher and lower, and we can also trade in a neutral risk-defined range-bound market. Now, you can't do that with long-term fundamental investing. You just have long positions in five or six or 20 different things, but you're always long. And the problem with diversification is, is that it works until it doesn't. And when the market goes down, everything becomes auto-correlated and diversification is thrown out the window. At least with options trading, when the market goes down, you can start transitioning your portfolio quickly over to bearish positions that take advantage of that market drop. And you get paid more money because implied volatility is so much higher, okay? The final thing that I want to say about some of the similarities between fundamental investors and options traders is that fundamental investors believe that they control their risk, again, by knowing the numbers, by having this margin of safety and by diversifying their portfolio. But the reality is, is that if you are long stock, you are still trading with a 50-50 probability of success. I don't care how great you think the company is. I don't care how much you've analyzed it. It is not about what you think. It's about what the market thinks. And so if your analysis does not match the market, then you're SOL and you're going to lose money. I do not believe that that's the best way to invest your money in the future. I think you can make money that way, but I think there's alternative ways that control your risk in a much better fashion with high probabilities of success, with an empirical edge baked into implied volatility that can give your account much more stability and better growth, right? That's that alpha that we want to generate. Higher growth, less volatility. We know it's possible through options. We've done a ton of case studies even just on this podcast showing you some some of the results of our backtesting and even other companies backtesting CBOE, et cetera, okay? So I think this controlling risk thing is a common thread between fundamental investors and options traders, but fundamental investors have yet to apply it to the world of options or they haven't at least looked at it hard enough and you've kind of shrugged off options trading as some wild rodeo cowboy thing when the reality is, is that it's exactly what you're doing right now, just applied in a much better way or much better fashion. Now, before we end today's show, or at least get into the Q&A section and the closing bell segment, I want to talk about this one last thing. And this one last thing I think is the game changer for the future. Now, I don't care what company you use as your example today, but I'll use 
one company in particular, and that's Netflix. But the concept still remains the same, that technology and the market and the economy and everything is moving at such a faster pace. And the barriers to entry for new companies to spring up out of nowhere and completely switch everything around has become so flat and so short that literally a company that is here today could be gone tomorrow. Now, fundamental investing never ceases. And that's the prob- That's the biggest problem with fundamental investing now is that they never see the company that nobody can see. I mean, like that you can't see when a Netflix pops up. So here's the example, right? Netflix totally changed the entire market for movies and basically caused uh, Blockbuster, which we all know, for those of you who are I guess, newer than like 12 or something. I don't know if you're older than like 12, but basically took Blockbuster out of commission and made a $6 billion company. Blockbuster was a $6 billion company before Netflix came around. And about a year and a half, the company went completely bankrupt, gone off of the face of the earth, out of existence. Now you could say a million things about all the things that Blockbuster could have done to change their business model. But look, the reality is nobody knew what Netflix was, how powerful Netflix could become and how quickly it could take market share from Blockbuster. And I guarantee you the people who invested in in Blockbuster at its height, looking at the five-year financials or the 10-year pro formas, never saw Netflix coming. And this Netflix effect is disrupting hundreds of thousands of companies every single year. You look at things like Uber, right? Which is totally changing the entire market for taxi and transportation across the entire country and across the entire world came up pretty much out of nowhere. And so again, if you're a fundamental investor, you better be afraid of this one fact that your five-year plan on this one company, this one stock, or even a basket of stocks could be totally upended by some new upstart that has zero cash flow now and can quickly grow because of technology and social media almost overnight. Again, with options trading, You don't have this effect, right? You can trade something like Netflix on a 30-day basis, and then as the price goes down or up or whatever the case is, readjust your position every 30 days. That's the beauty of doing this. Like, I don't ever care where the market goes, where any particular company goes, because there will always be a 30-day window to trade the next set of probabilities, the next price movement that that company has. And I don't have to be invested in something for five years or 10 year outlook. I still know that my outlook in winning might be three or five or 10 years because I'm going to play the long-term game, but I'm going to play it in short-term sprints. And I think that's what most people are starting to transition to. That's why we see the options market start to grow in popularity because many of you guys have really been burned by a lot of your fundamental investment decisions that you've made over the course of many years. And I think that's going to dramatically change as we get into the future. So this Netflix effect, I think is a game changer. I think it's just the start. And I think it's going to increase as we go forward 2017 and beyond, and it's going to become uh, happen faster and faster. In fact, probably some of the companies that you guys see today that we all see today may not be here even by the end of the year. I mean, like that's how fast I think things are moving. So Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I know it was a little bit of a rant on fundamental investing, but look, the reality is, is I think a lot of people who are fundamental investors are smart people. I don't think that people who are fundamental investors are dumb people. I think you're smart. You want to know the numbers. You understand the numbers. It gives you a level of confidence. Great. Take that same methodical analysis and apply it to the options market. And I think 
you'll find much better performance and much better results long-term with much more confidence than you ever had before. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Hi, Kirk. Uh, I think your site is a fantastic site. I've learned a lot in the last three months uh, using your site. In fact, I think it's one of the best options trading sites I've come across. I have a quick question for you. In the video uh, talking about trading earnings options, uh, in, the, in the video you used a one-day to expiry uh, options to, to sell for a premium. Why would you do this versus the typically uh, selling an option which would last 45 days because that would give us some room to maneuver. Any help would be appreciated. Thanks a lot, Kirk, again. Dexter. All right, bye. All right, Dexter. Hey, man, thank you so much for submitting the question here to Trader Q&A. So really, the answer to your question is you could do a 45-day trade. So I'm not saying that you have to do a one-day or even one-week trade. So for those of you who are new to earnings trades, we always try to make an earnings trade about five days out, the same week that the actual earnings event is happening. So that might mean that we're trading contracts that expire in five days, three days, or even the next day that the earnings event happens. But it's usually a, a trade that we make for just one day, right? Whether we're using a weekly contract or something else. But the reality is, is that you could, if you want to trade the further out contracts, but here's the only thing that I'll have to, I'll, I'll preface this with. You have to realize that most people, when they're hedging an earnings trade or most activity around earnings is done in the shorter term contracts because they want to get exposure just for the actual event itself. So that's why you see implied volatility, liquidity, volume, everything much, much higher on the weekly contracts that are around or expired during that earnings event. And that also means that with juiced up implied volatility for those weekly options, that you actually get pricing very similar to pricing 30 or 45 days out. Now, pricing 30 or 45 days out is definitely going to be higher, but it may only be 25 or $30 higher, right? So a, let's say, short call and short put strangle on the weekly options might be paying $300, 45 days out might be paying $325, right, on average, long term. And so that means that you're not getting as much benefit as you think by going further out in time. Now, the other benefit to trading the weekly options is that they decay in value much quicker because they're just a weekly contract. And all we're really trying to do with earnings trades is play this crush in implied volatility that happens. Then the weekly contracts take advantage of that much better than a long-term monthly contract 30 or 45 days out. Those long-term contracts are going to take advantage of that volatility crush, but they're still going to have some decay and volatility built in because they're still going to be alive for another 30 to 45 days. So the weekly contracts are going to be much quicker to react. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't, if the trade goes against you, take those weekly contracts and roll them to the monthly parent. We've often done that. And that's one of the things that we coach and teach in our earnings trading course that we have online, which is totally free. If the trade goes against you, one of the things you can do is try to roll that contract out to the next month for a lot more credit. And so that'll help out too. So I think you can get there, but I don't think you need to start with those further dated contracts. I think those weekly contracts one or two days away from the earnings event and expiration is totally sufficient for what you need to do. 
to get your question answered here on the podcast or live on Facebook and Periscope, head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask, click the big red button in the middle of the screen and leave me a private voicemail. There is no software to download or install and it's incredibly easy. Now, before we get into the closing bell segment, I just want to let you know about a new section that everyone's been checking out on the website. It's called our live trading section where we're basically recording videos as I start making trades. This is opening, closing, adjusting, wins, losses, etc. I literally start recording my screen, then walk through an entire process of a trade, everything from what we're looking at, how we scan for it, choosing strike prices, and actually filling the trade live on screen. We just added another set of videos to the website just this week. So we're constantly expanding this database or this library of live trades. But I highly encourage you to get in there and start looking at these because again, all of these are totally free and it helps you understand more of the mechanics that go into it when you can actually see it on screen. So head on over to the website, click on the education section, and then scroll down to live trading. You can see it there or just search the website from any page on optionalpha.com and look up live trading and you'll go right to that section. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. Moving forward. All right, so in today's closing bell segment, we're gonna talk about a new trade that we're getting into in XRT. Now, this is another ETF. And in fact, this is the retail sector of the spiders. Now, this has had quite the wild ride from basically like around the election time, Black Friday-ish in November, we started to see the retail sector and XRT have a huge move higher. And it actually moved from like 41 up to 49 in about a month and a half, or not even a month it moved from 41 to 49. So massive, massive move, but we've now seen that kind of totally fall apart. And again, this is just another little mini case study and why markets are always cyclical and generally move in waves and cycles, right? Because now the stock or ETF has gone from high around 49 back down to 44 in about two and a half weeks. So a massive move lower. Now this puts us right in the range that's been trading in pretty much the entire year. And I don't care necessarily about the price action, all that stuff. But what I care about now is that implied volatility started to rise a little bit. And with this big move lower, we're at least anticipating that maybe the stock has, you know, kind of figured out all of its movements and might be a little bit neutral to sideways, at least for the next month. So what we're going to do is we're going to add an iron butterfly in XRT. Now, an iron butterfly is basically an at the money straddle at the $45 strike price, which is where basically the stock is trading. We have to pick between 44 and 45. And right now the stock is just below 45. So we're going to pick the $45 strike, maybe a little bit of a bounce here, play a little bit bullish, but not too much. But it's an at the money straddle. So selling the 45 call, selling the 45 put, and then going out $4 on either end. So an even distance on either end and buying options for cheap for protection. So we're going to buy the 49 calls, which are only $7 and then buy the 41 puts, which are $17. And that's okay, because they're a little bit more. It's always a little bit more on the put side. But our overall credit that we take in is $1.88. So we take in a pretty nice credit here for a $3 wide iron butterfly. Again, your broker platform might have you enter this order as an iron butterfly, but the reality is it's an iron butterfly. It should have a nice little pyramid shape and kind of be centered around 45. Now, the whole idea here with this is that the $1.88 credit that we have moves our break-even point out $1.88 on either end from our short strike at 45. 
when you actually look at a pricing table and a, a risk graph on this, we get about a 64, 65% probability of success on the initial trade entry. Now, here's where I've been talking about this a lot is that that's just the probability of success when we initially enter the position. What we know to be true, and we've done this in a bunch of podcasts, I think shows 67 or 71, something like that, that we just recently did, talks about the fact that when we actually let the numbers play out, not only with closing trades early, but also implied volatility's over expectation, we're actually going to win at a much higher rate than 64, 65%. So is it 70%, 72%? It may you know change over time and depends on the ETF, but we know we're going to win at a much higher rate than 64, 65%. So even though this initial position is basically at 65% probability of success, if we were to replicate this over and over again, we'd probably win somewhere around 70, 72% or somewhere in that range based on our backtesting. So it's still a high probability trade. We'll try to look to close this position early at about a 25% gain as we do with most of our iron butterflies and straddles. So we'll manage this thing early and try not to hold it all the way to expiration, but we obviously need to see XRT kind of you know stay range bound here in about a $2 up or down range, which I think is definitely possible given its moves. I think it's had a lot of movement it's time maybe for it to just, you know, kind of settle down and trade into like a little channel or range here. But yeah, that's the trade that we're going to make here today on the Closing Bell segment. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, links mentioned in the show, and some related video training on options math and statistics and backtesting by going to our show notes page at optionalpha.com slash show 81. That's just the number 81, optionalpha.com slash show 81. And don't forget, if you could, please send this to one person that you know is a fundamental investor that we might be able to convert or transition over to at least checking out options trading with a more serious approach than they did before. And that would really be helpful in kind of growing and spreading what we're doing here at Option Alpha. Until next time, happy trading.